judged. Jesus had three court appearances, do you realize? He stood in court in front of the Jews who brought witnesses who were liars so they could condemn him to death. Then he stood in the court of the Gentiles before Pilate, and Pilate could at least see there was no sin in this man, but the pressure of the public forced him to condemn this man to death as though he were a criminal. An innocent man condemned by the Jews. An innocent man condemned by the Gentiles. And as he dies, he dies a criminal death on a cross. And we learned the other week he goes down into Hades. And now he faces the judge of the whole universe. Is Jesus innocent or guilty? Is there any sin upon his life? And if there was, he would not rise from the dead. But the judge of all the world, of all the universe, found Jesus innocent. Condemned by a Jewish court, condemned by a gentle court. But now he stands in the court of the universe. And God examines his life. And he says, this man is innocent of sin against any other man. And he's innocent of any sin against God. God says, open the doors and let him go. And Jesus to prove his justification, is raised from the dead and he walks free. You will face the judgment of Almighty God. It will be real. Your judgment, if you are born again, will not be on whether you're a sinner or not. But did you fulfill the anointing that he placed on your life for what you were to do for him. Will you be ashamed at that judgment? Or will you rejoice in the fact that you fulfilled the call upon your life? And it wasn't to come to church. It wasn't just to be nice to people. You have an anointing upon you that must be fulfilled in your life. That's what God is going to judge us on. Laying on of hands. Where does this fit in? Is it as important as these other things I've mentioned to you? Surely not. Judgment, resurrection, repentance, faith. How can laying on of hands fall into the same group? Prior to the baptism of Jesus Christ in water, he never touched anyone. He never healed anyone. He never delivered anyone. He never raised the dead. He never helped. He never ministered by the power of the Spirit. He ministered in his own natural strength and ability and grace. With his love, he gave himself to people, but he never knew nothing of the power of God in him. But when he came out of the waters of baptism, 
the Holy Spirit came and flooded his life. Now he was a different man. From this moment forward, full of the Spirit of God, he would lay hands on people and the power of God that was in him would just go down deep, deep into these people. Whatever their need, whatever their circumstances, he would lay hands on them. Have you ever wondered what Jesus prayed? He didn't. He didn't pray. He said, eyes open, ears open, mouth open. The power that was in him was going to flow out through his hands. How many people have you laid your hands on lately? You better start after today. <laughs> but I tell you something, you better have something inside that can pour through your hands. You better be full of the Spirit of God. Because if you are not, then nothing will happen. Jesus, you see, was full of the Spirit. Let me give you some examples. I don't know if you'll get these up fast enough. You can do. It doesn't matter. Don't just listen. Listen. Mark 7, 32. A man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him what to do. Place his hands on the man. Do you get it? They had seen it so many times. Jesus would come and just place his hands on them. It says in Mark 8 and 23, he had spat in the man's eyes. And what did he do then? He put his hands on him. It wasn't the spitting that did it. But I don't doubt for one minute his spit had the Holy Spirit in it as well. <laughs> he laid his hands on him. Matthew 8 and 3, Jesus reached out and touched the man. He had leprosy. He touched him. Then he declared him free. He touched her hand. Peter's mother-in-law, remember? She's in bed with a fever. Peter has taken Jesus to the home. She's lying in bed with a fever. He says, he touched her hand. And what happened? The fever left her. What's all this touching? What's he doing all this touching for? He is releasing the spirit within him to flow into the lives of other people. He is full to the measure that he could possibly be with the spirit and it's flowing out of his body. And what he makes sure is he keeps himself tanked up with the spirit. Constantly be being filled with the Spirit. You say, once I was filled and now I'm empty. Well, you're no good for the laying on of hands if the Spirit isn't there without measure. Your prayers, yes, you can pray for people to be healed and God can touch them, but that's not what God wants. He wants you to lay hands on the sick, hands on the dead, hands on the demonized, hands on the fearful, that they will be healed. 
It says in Mark 6 and 5, he could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few people. Goes on to say, when Peter was drowning, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Jesus could have said, Peter, rise. Come out of the water. But he didn't. As he touched the hand of Peter, the power of God flowed through him. And it lifted him out of the water. Jesus never used one muscle in his body to get Peter up. It's not possible. It's not possible. If you don't believe me, go home. Okay. Go home. Have one of you stand on the table and the other one stand on the floor. You can have the wife on the table if you like, if she's... <laughs> If she's the weaker one, and have the man on the floor. Now say to the wife, pull him up onto the table. You'll never do it. But say to the one on the floor, now pull this person down, and it's easy. Jesus never used his strength. The power of the Spirit of God was released in him. It says he went in. This is the house of Jairus. Once he stood outside a tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. He could have said to Jairus' daughter, Jairus' daughter, rise, rise. But he didn't. What did he do? He took the girl by the hand so the power could flow through him into her. The little children were brought to Jesus. For what purpose? That he could place his hands on them. Isn't that amazing? You can see the mothers bringing them up. Jesus, just put your hands on my little boy. Put your hands on my daughter. Just Jesus, put your hands on them. That what is in you will flow into them. Flow into them. This isn't in the NIV, but it says in Mark 6 and 2, you'll find it in the authorised and other versions, such miracles as these performed by his hands. You see how important the laying on of hands is? You say, I didn't realise. I doubt if I've laid my hands on anyone in faith, ever. I thought it was something you did when you prayed for people. No, Jesus never prayed. He laid hands on them. He recognised the power that was within and how he could communicate that power. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray. In fact, we've prayed so many times when we've laid hands on people, we do it automatically. We don't even know what we're saying. Blah, 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 blah. You can say what you like. If there's no power within, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Jesus didn't go until he was full of power. Then he went. What was happening as he touched them? The reservoir in the Holy Spirit within him flowed out into them. Remember when the woman with the issue of blood touched his cloak and he said, power has flown out of me. She's pulled on it. 
or you can lay your hands in faith and the power will flow through your hands into people's lives. We do it in the natural. When a little child runs to you, you go, whoa, get off. You hold them. You put your hands on them. Sometimes when you shake someone's hand, you put your hand on top of theirs. And you, as Christians, we're always hugging people, aren't we? We're a weird bunch. <laughs> it's the touch, you see. We see something in the spirit. People say, oh, I don't like all this hugging business. You get off me. What are you saying? Jesus touched the leper. If you don't want my touch, I said then, I'll keep it. But I want your blessing. If you've, got, if you've got a remnant of the spirit in you, I want it on me. I want it to flow into my life. That I am blessed. Isn't that what we did today? This lady, she, she held me in her hand and she prayed blessings into my life. Thank you. I receive it by faith. I hope you're drained of all the spirit that you came in with this morning and somehow it's flowed into me and maybe I put back into you what was in me. I was up earlier than you this morning so maybe you got more than what I got. I don't know. These foundational teachings are not recorded for us as a theological doctrine but that we might live like him in practice. You must do this. You must do this. See, Winthrop said last week, this is the time, this is the season. Now, God, show us what to do. You must do it. You must fill yourself with the Spirit and start to communicate it first to the body of Christ and then to others. A man came into the cafe the other day. He sat there. I sat next to him. His name was James. I said, have you been here before? He said, six years ago, I came in here. That would have been at the very start. He says, I was looking for a house and I didn't get a house and eventually I got a house in Acton and I've come here and I'm going over to the hill here to do something, just fresh air or something, he was saying. I said, are you sick in any way? He said, yes. I said, would you like me to pray for you? He said, yes, I would. I went and got this man, because he loves laying hands on people. I said, Herman, come and pray for this man. Pray for him. And he imparted a blessing in faith upon this man. I don't know what he prayed. It probably doesn't even matter. The man said, yes, pray for me. And Herman laid his hands on him. And the power of God moved from Herman to this man. End of story. It flows every time, as long as there's something in you to flow. You have to be full and not empty. John chapter 7. John 7 and 37. On this, the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, are you thirsty for God? Because if you ain't, it doesn't matter. You won't get anything. You won't get anything like being like this. This don't come. It's like, God, fill me. Unless you fill me, I will die. You say, that's a bit over the top. 
You get as over the top as you want, I tell you. So when you're filled with the Spirit and you lay hands on your children or you lay hands on your husband or your wife or your friend or your neighbour, there is something that can pour out of you into them. But you have to be thirsty. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit, God. I'm thirsty for more of it. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Not a stream, streams. What do you think was flowing out of Jesus? But streams of the Spirit. He touched hundreds if not thousands of people, streams were flowing from him. Not one trickly little stream, but streams flowed from him. And God's plan was that they would flow from you, that streams of living water would flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That's you. Later. You would receive this Spirit, this Holy Spirit. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet returned to his Father. Jesus said, it's good for you that I return to my Father. Why? So the Spirit might come and dwell inside of every one of you. You too can be filled with that same Holy Spirit. Christianity without faith and the Spirit is so boring. Please be patient with me. And those people are so boring. They are talking on a plane on the earth full of fear and worry and anxiety they're talking about football and clothes and washing and holiday and homes. Ah! All of these things have to be spoken about. But if we have nothing in us, we talk about this rubbish forever and forever. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the Holy Spirit of God. Seek to be full of God. Keep your reservoir full. If a reservoir is empty, then no streams flow. When a reservoir is full, all the streams are touching the land and producing life throughout. As you study the New Testament, you see we're commissioned to do this in Mark 16, from 15 to 18. I've, I've left some chunks out, but I'm not cheating. You can go home and study it yourself. He said, go into all the world, and these signs will accompany those who believe. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. It doesn't even say you've got to pray for anybody. It just says lay hands on them. Lay hands on the sick and they will get well. And you say, no, 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 Phil, it's not for everyone. It's all right for you, you're a pastor, elder. Prophets, evangelists, teachers, yeah, they get in a place with God where God would use them and God would bless them. These signs will accompany those who believe. 
Of course, if you don't believe, nothing accompanies. But if you believe, don't call me to pray for the sick ever again. You pray for them yourself. Unless you know you're so empty that you've got nothing to give, and you can be optimistic that I've got something to give. But if you think you're empty, then fill yourself up. Drink in the Spirit of God until the reservoir at least becomes a quarter full. Then lay hands on them. God bless you. It's you, you see. It's for everyone. It isn't for us super saints. You don't think I'm a super saint anyway. You don't think I'm that wonderful. You should live with me or work with me and you'd find I'm just like you. Just like you. But I want to keep my tank full. Full of the Spirit. Build yourself up in this most holy faith. Paul says, we build ourselves up by praying in the Holy Spirit. Do you ever go a day without praying in tongues? If you do, your tank is emptying all the time. You say, Philip, I can't speak in tongues. Well, come and see me. We'll do something about it. Jesus will fill you with his spirit. Why? Because it's basic. It's basic. Foundational. Elementary teaching that we have to hold on. Remember when Paul was on his way to Damascus to pull the, these Christian people that he hated. He saw them as being so opposed to Judaism, which he worshipped, he wanted to get rid of the name of Jesus completely and throw every possible Christian into prison. It's found in Acts chapter 9. We read it from 1 to 17. He's on his way to Damascus and Jesus comes and speaks to him. He says, why are you kicking against me? He says, who are you? He says, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And he's blinded and he falls from his horse to the ground and his companions have to take him by the hand and lead him blindly into Damascus. And they take him to the house of a man called Judas. He's another Judas, not the bad Judas. Take him to the house of Judas and he's on Straight Street and he's sitting there and God speaks to him. Listen to what it says in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, not the Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias, another Ananias. There's more than one called that name. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He became Paul later. For he is praying in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and do what? Place his hands on him to restore his sight. Who was Ananias? An apostle? A prophet? An elder? A teacher? What does it say in verse 10? He was a disciple. It's in there on purpose. Do you understand? 
What are you this morning? Disciples. He's going to get this disciple to lay his hands on the most significant human being that's ever lived in the history of Christianity. A disciple. You better start laying hands on people soon. Because it's foundational. It's how you become like Christ. So he goes. He has a bit of an objection, doesn't he? Lord Ananias answered, I've heard that many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the peoples of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Oh, did you get that last bit? You start laying hands on people, you're going to suffer. Of course you are. Anyone who steps out for God will suffer. So if you're a moaner, whiner, don't do this. I warn you now, don't do this. This is bad news. You must not do this. Then Ananias, he went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He did exactly as he was told. Did he pray for him? No. No, I'm not saying don't pray for anyone. I'm saying there's enough cases here to show it isn't the prayer. Therefore, you don't have to get it word perfect. You have to do what it says and lay your hands on people because the power inside you can flow. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not a prayer. That's a declaration. I'm doing this in obedience. I'm laying my hands on you like Jesus told me to. Two wonderful things happened to him. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. He could see. And what else happened? He could see again. He got up and was baptised. Not in water. It's not in water. He wasn't sent there to get him baptised in water. It says to get him baptised in the Holy Spirit. So Paul gets up, he can see. And maybe he said, the job's not over yet. And he starts to speak in other tongues. What does that mean? It was a sign that the Spirit had filled him. If we're going to make an impact for God, even in giving a cup of water to somebody, you better do it speaking in tongues. If you're going to sit by the dying, will you sit by them and speak in tongues? When you prepare to do something, will you first speak in tongues so the Spirit of God can rise up within you? If you're going to make a decision about anything, will you speak in tongues? If you're going to be angry and tell somebody off and give them a piece of your mind, will you please speak in tongues and let the Spirit of God manifest himself within you? Fill your reservoir so you can touch people's lives. 
He's filled with the Spirit. So the Spirit, this laying on of hands, is not just for the healing of the sick, this man James, but it is for the filling of the Holy Spirit as well. And other things that God wants to do. So Paul, who's going to be called Paul later, he receives from Ananias what Ananias has got. And so this comes and fills him and he speaks in other tongues. And then he finds in life that as he's praying for people or as he's laying hands on people, this spirit starts to drain within him. So he fills himself again and again and again. And it says in Acts 19 and 6 when he's in Ephesus, he meets some people and they think they're Christians, but they've been baptized with the baptism of John the Baptist, which is a baptism of repentance. And he says, have you not heard about Jesus and his baptism? He said, John preached that a Jesus was coming. He said, a Jesus has come and he's died and risen again. And now you can have eternal life in his name. You must believe and be baptized. And so they were baptized in water. It says there were 12 then. I don't know how many women. Usually there's 24 women to every 12 men <laughs> and half a dozen kids. It says 12 men. When Paul placed his hands on them, after he had baptized them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Would you like to prophesy? I'll come lay hands on you now and then do it. By faith. I've got a bit of the Spirit left in me. I'll come do it. And in faith you speak out. You can come here for donkey's years and say nothing. Just sit there every Sunday. Say nothing. Nothing. Never speak in tongues. Never prophesy. Never move in the gifts of the Spirit. Never do anything. Just sit there listening to me. That's sad. Honestly, my wife would tell you that's sad listening to me all the time. You need to be full of God's Spirit. Moving in the realm of the Spirit. That reservoir that was in Ananias was now in Paul. And that reservoir that was in Paul was now in these 12 men. And the reservoir that was in these 12 men, they went out and they filled others. And every one of them kept filling themselves up, filling themselves up, filling themselves up. You say, how do I do it? If you're thirsty, come to him. Fill me with your spirit. If you need some assistance, come. Let me pray with you. I love to release people. Love to release them. If you've spoken in tongues once or twice, do it every day. Once or twice is no good. That's all drained away by now. Get more of it, 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 so that when you lay hands on people, something will happen. We're to be like Christ. That's our goal. Hebrews 6 are fundamental teachings. That's all they are. I've just given you a basic. You should have known that the first week you got saved. That's it. That's it. It's down to you now. I can't do anything about it. Nor can Jesus. All Jesus can do is speak to you. Give you the truth. If you do nothing, you do nothing. These signs will only follow them that believe. And if you don't believe, then no sign will follow. That's all right. 
just keep coming here and listen to me. That's not what was intended. So when you touched this person this morning, do you realise what you were doing? Give me your hand. Oh, God bless her. God bless her. What do you want God to bless you with? You don't know? Well, bless her anyway, God. Maybe she's got everything. She doesn't need anything. But whatever she needs, God, bless her in the Holy Spirit with it. Come on, church. Let's do church properly, shall we? You can mess about and come and listen every week if you like. Let's do it properly. Let's move out from here and touch a sick, a dying, a blind, a deaf, a drowning world. Let's touch it. Let's make sure we're full. And then touch them and see what God would do. Bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was very refreshing. Let this be a week that will make a difference in our lives. Hallelujah. Seek out every one of those opportunities, my beloved, to allow the flow of the Spirit from your life to minister unto others for the glory of God. You are the extension of His hand in Jesus' name. So in the offices, in your businesses, people are going to come to you. I'm feeling so a lot of pain in my back. Don't be afraid. Just as the pastor has encouraged us, reach out. Lay your hand on the person. Don't start saying, I am praying. No, the command in Jesus' name be healed. Because that's the command we have been given for the glory of his name. Hallelujah. And once again, before I welcome the, the worship team has a song, I, I would have loved them to sing, I love, to be, I love your presence. I love the one they sang before. It would have been lovely. But anyway, they will sing whatever it is that they... That, that, if they can sing that, I would like you to soak in that presence as you step out into this particular week, that there will be such grace and the presence of God accompanying your every step in the name of the Lord Jesus. But before they come, or as they come, I want you once again to turn around to somebody. I'm so blessed with what the pastor has shared with us tonight. I want you to speak these words to your brother or to your sister, that this week, Listen to my words, first of all. This week, I want you to bless them because I want you to realize the power of the anointing that rests upon your life. I want you to turn to that man or that woman. If you will turn to seven of them, wonderful. But get hold of their hand and declare, this week I command peace be within your walls. It is in Psalms. I think it's Psalms 122 or 120. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. I want these men and these women to experience a mighty up 